Jackie. And I'm Candice. Welcome to WTF. Women Talk Finance. Our WTF podcast will take a simplified approach to finance. And we talk about investing, a topic we believe women don't talk enough about. We'll discuss common financial questions and challenges that women face in business and throughout their personal lives. I'd like to give a quick disclosure before we begin our conversation. This overview is for informational purposes only. We might include some projections and those should not be relied upon for the purpose of investing. Past performance is not indicative of future results and any investments we mention are meant for accredited investors only. And any offer can only be considered upon review of a prospectus and relevant offering documentation. So please keep this in mind as we move through this overview and remember that these are our opinions only. Hi. Hi you. Hi. Just you and me again (laughs) actually (laughs) I love how awkward and geeky we are we're real weird when it's let's dial it up it's late in the afternoon we're gonna talk about the cost cost of liquidity let's start roadmap here let's start by distinguishing the difference between liquid and illiquid investments how would you describe them what's what categories are we in I think You know, when people typically think of investing, it kind of naturally varies, right? They they have their their stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And I think there's a reason for that. They're they're accessible. They're liquid. You know, it's it's you can get the cash if you need it. Yeah, liquidity is like water. It's just flowing. It's right there. You can access it. It's like turn the tap on, there it is. Illiquid assets, illiquid investments. Give us some examples of those. I think definitely that the alternative space is going to be more where you're finding those illiquid investments. Those are going to be, you know, in more of your harder assets. Those are going to be in those startup companies. You know, they they don't have real estate. They don't have that easy liquidity. And you, you really can know right off the bat, right? Well, what, if what you're investing in is is liquid or illiquid. Right. If I go to the stock market and I put $1,000 into the stock market, I buy a bunch of different stocks. If I needed to get my cash back out of the market, I could go sell those stocks. Boom. There's my cash. That's a liquid investment. If I go buy a piece of real estate or if I go invest in an alternative investment, maybe I'm making an investment into a startup company, in my documents, it's going to tell me this is illiquid sit tight, hang in there. This could be a three to five to seven to 10 year adventure and you're in. You're in. So a really simple example of money working, I think is in one of my first exposures was in It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey has the run on his bank and it's, it's pretty, it's a devastating part of the, of the movie. Um, and he says to the people that your money's not here. Your your money's working. It's in so and so's house. It's in so and so's business. That money is is working, and that's that's why you earn on that money. Now that's a bank, but in general, that is how lending and investing works, right? There is the money is allocated. It's actually working and building. The reason there's liquidity in certain events is that that position can be exchanged really, really quick for cash. Um, and so that is, that's great. But there's there's a cost to that, right? Well, and that's why we talk about the costs of liquidity. 
what is what is the cost of that? You are giving up the opportunity to make a premium on an otherwise illiquid investment. So let's let's focus in on this. So we've got liquid and illiquid. If this is a choose your own adventure book, why would anyone want to go down that path of illiquidity? I mean, emergencies happen. I might need some cash. Why would I ever choose an illiquid investment? The the opportunity to earn on those types of investments can be really huge. There can be really high earnings on those illiquid investments. The illiquidity premium can be significant, but that should not be somebody's entire portfolio, right? You talk about um, emergencies happen, and I, I'm not giving any sort of advice. You need to seek out advice. We do not on give this. investment advice. Every episode, we'll we are not again. giving advice. Um, <laughs> just take a look, though, and and look at your own financial situation. Do you have enough for emergencies? Can you take that risk of participating in something that is illiquid and has potential to do really, really well for your portfolio, but recognize that you're taking that that short-term, potentially long-term risk of not having access to that money. And some investments fail, liquid or illiquid. Um, I think one of the other benefits of illiquidity is that it helps to mitigate market volatility, which can aid in minimizing losses in a down market. Uh, markets in general fluctuate ups, downs, ups, downs. When you've got a longer time horizon, some of those ups and downs tend to even out. And when you talk about the premium associated with illiquidity, uh, UBS Hedge Fund Solutions recently performed a study of 234 hedge funds on their platform in an attempt to determine the correlation between performance and the liquidity of the underlying investments. Super interesting, they discovered that each month of illiquidity results in approximately 20 basis points of additional return. Now, big disclosure again, all investments carry risk. But for each month of illiquidity, on average, their study shows 20 basis points of additional return. That right there is your premium. That is your premium. Absolutely. So <clears throat> you're taking that risk. You don't have access to those funds, but that money is working for you, which is really what the investing, you know, is about, right? That investing is having your money work. So have it work, you know, it's working a little harder in those illiquid. So we talked about market volatility. Um, there's also emotional volatility. Investors can be emotional investors. The stock market can actually be emotional. So as illiquid investments are more difficult to sell, they can serve to protect investors from those emotional oscillations. If you're having a bad day and you want to go sell, too bad. You can't. Just sit, hang tight. And tomorrow's a new day, right? Yeah. Buckle up, baby. I know. I mean, every investor loves to say that they just are masterful at buying low and selling high, right? They, they all are so good at it. Uh, how many people do we know that the market is in a free fall and they're like, I'm selling, I'm cashing out? Yeah, no, you... I buy I buy high and sell low. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so many people that do that. And so you're right. Like the illiquidity of these investments actually in a lot of ways protects investors from themselves, right? It, it, it allows them to have to kind of work through. Man, patience. Yeah, patience. I'm, I've been amazed in my 
timeline of investing, um, how many people, and, and illiquid a lot of the time, how many people within that investment group, you know, and, and sometimes it's a small investment group, um, but during the uh, real estate crash, how many people wanted to just fire sell the assets? And even as a young investor, I'm sitting there going, I feel like that's exactly the opposite of what we should be doing. <laughs> like, I got into this for the long haul. We're, we're riding this out. Uh, so it, it definitely takes a different type of mindset because you, you don't always have that immediate ability to, to reach in and grab your money out, which in a lot of times is maybe for your benefit. Well, we've talked about how women can be strong investors and sometimes less emotional investors and sometimes better investors because I think it's that, that patience element. You've talked about your investment money. It's your, your play money. So you acknowledge the risk that you could lose it. And I think you're likely more comfortable putting it in the investment and letting it sit and letting it see what can happen. And in a, in a previous episode, we've talked about how generational wealth is no longer being created in the stock market. It's in these you know, bigger types of projects, sometimes riskier projects where your money can sit, work, and then potentially have a higher return. I do wonder, I mean, going back to the generational wealth, what will millennials who have this very different experience, um, and I can only speak to millennials because we're both millennials, uh, you know, we, we've ridden through some really big market changes. And for a lot of us, we saw that generational wealth that had been passed down through our families get really disrupted, right? I mean, we had really significant events happen in our early adulthood, um, I wonder what that's doing to our generation and how we're taking steps in investing and possibly looking more towards these illiquid type of investments. I think it's why we're seeing such a huge increase in them. We're seeing accessibility to them on the rise because I think a lot of us saw that some of those typical investments, those typical forms of passing down wealth, those can get disrupted real quick, real fast. So kind of having some of these alternatives in there sprinkled in that portfolio might make sense. This is a really interesting thing to ask our listeners. I would love feedback, especially some of our younger listeners, um, what their take on alternative investing and liquid versus illiquid assets, kind of where their mindset's at. What are they looking for? Um, what questions do they have that maybe we could talk through in another episode? Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. I think prior to... The Great Recession, real estate and the stock market were like, yes, strong baby, this is where you put your money. And we saw both of those take really big hits. And we saw our families, you know, a lot of people we knew, a lot of people who had everything really stable and together, we saw that disrupted. So I think we've got a whole new generation of really different minded investors coming up. Investing in stable coins. <laughs> <laughs> so big takeaway here. Um, many investors do place a high value on the utility of cash and liquidity, and that's perfectly fine. Um, let's just acknowledge that they may pay a, high, a higher price for it. So there is a cost of liquidity. And if you are looking to diversify your portfolio, often there may be some illiquid options that could be attractive for you. Yeah. I mean, liquid assets will always, in my opinion, have a place, right? It, it just does. It, it's, it's necessary. We have to have that. But... If you don't have some level of, of alternatives, some level of illiquid 
investments in, you may be missing out on on some potential earnings. Yeah, well said. Thanks for having this conversation with me. Thank you. Thank you for the listeners. I hope you like when we get weird and awkward on our little side convos, but we're happy to have you here. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. Please hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with the WTF Women Talk Finance podcast. Email us with questions, suggestions, or just say hi at media at rowcapitalgroup.com. Again, thank you for listening to WTF Women Talk Finance Podcast. Every day you hear about people making money by investing in IPOs and startups. But what about you? These kinds of investments are simply not available to Main Street investors. At Rowe Capital Group, we are committed to providing access to strategic, early-stage, primarily low-market-correlated investment opportunities. Accredited investors go to rowcapitalgroup.com for more information. Rowe Capital Group, empowering your financial journey.